Yeah, very good. That took a ton of coordination. You guys did an absolutely amazing job. 60 volunteers, 170 kids. That's just absolutely amazing. I love it. Um, and uh, really, honestly, the volunteers uh, of this church do so much to build the body of Christ. And you have no idea the impact you're having on people's lives. I know there were about four or five families here this morning that came to the mega sports camp that were just here this morning for the first time. So that's really, really exciting. Your, your effort put out, you put out really, really matters. Hey, we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 22 this morning. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. If you have your Bibles, open it up. If not, we have it right up here on the screen. And it says this, My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So, a little story about a man walks into church late. Which never happens here at Grace Chapel. I don't understand the story, but you know it happens once in a while. Other churches, and he asked the usher, "Is the sermon done yet?" And the usher replied to the man, "The sermon has been preached, but it has not yet been done." You see, when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to preaching the Word of God, it's not just about preaching it. Preaching it, it's not just about teaching it. It's about doing it. It's about living it out in our lives. And controlling our emotions is probably one of the most difficult things that we have to do as human beings. As the Bible goes through and tells us how to live our lives, controlling our emotions is probably the number one thing that we struggle with the most. And anger is probably on the top of that list for most of us, if we're being honest. Anger is that that one emotion that we really struggle with to kind of get under control. Uncontrolled anger is probably the most destructive force in our lives. Now, we, th- before I move on from here, I know we all get angry. Okay, I, I know how difficult this is for some that more than others. It really is. Sometimes, you know, if you're a very passionate person, I'm a very passionate person. So I show my emotions on a, on a you know, they'll, they'll come out. If I'm really happy about something, you know it. If I'm really sad about something, you know, it. if I'm angry about something, you know, it. it took me years, years, years to focus my attention on overcoming my anger and not allowing my anger to get the best of me. As I was growing up, my anger built up. I've given my testimony before. It built up until I was, when I was in high school, it was at an all-time high. And I, it was really hard for me to control my emotions, especially when I got angry. And when I gave my life to Christ at 17 years old, 17 and a half years old, it was a journey for years to try to get that under control where I didn't allow my anger to just kind of come out when I felt it. So I completely when I'm when I'm preaching this, when I'm when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself. I understand. I truly understand. And God understands. This is one of the more difficult ones in our lives. So what I don't want anyone to do here, if you have a control, you have an anger control problem, I don't want you to sit there with your head hanging, thinking, oh, man, this is really he's preaching just to me. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you. 
All right, but he's talking to all of us. This is something we all need to work on. And what I want to do this morning is this is going to be a two part sermon. And I want to begin this morning and kind of start laying that foundation and how we can move from where you are right now to where you need to be. Right. That's what we're trying to do here. You're starting here. You want to end up in a different place. So if you're starting way over there, that's okay. All right. Just begin to move in this direction. And that's what James is talking about here. So as we continue our series, living out what lies inside, James speaks to us about if you want, if you will, anger management. How do we manage our anger? He says in James 1:19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Before we discuss this whole theme of anger, I need to give you a little kind of a background here, a little context. James is writing to believers, okay? Believers who have gone through vicious persecution. They've been through a lot. They gave their lives to Jesus Christ and it wasn't all, you know, happiness and roses. It was very, very difficult. These people had lost loved ones, people in their own families, close friends that had given their lives because they they wouldn't renounce Christ. So they were persecuted. They're being persecuted. They lost family members. They lost their possessions. If anyone had a right to be angry, it was this group of people that James is writing to. And it's in that context where he's talking to people who, in a sense, you and I would say, have every right to be frustrated, have every right to be angry. And he's talking to them and he's saying, "Okay, here's how you should deal with your anger. Here's how to control your anger. Here's this is the way God wants us to express our anger. And then he also so another theme that runs through this passage is he's saying that we he wants to weed out the talkers from the doers. That's really James. If you read through the book of James, it's a challenging book. I absolutely love it. And James is saying, I want to weed out those people who just say they're Christians. They call themselves Christians, but their lives don't back it up. And he wants to challenge those people. In James' view, if you say you're a Christian, if you say it with your word, that's not enough. It's something that needs to be practiced in your life. You need to put your words into actions. Remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about this and and we, we talked about saving faith. And we said that saving faith, saving faith consists of three things. And we get it from the book of James. Knowledge, belief and obedience. Knowledge, belief and obedience. In, in James chapter 2, in verse 19, it says, You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons have knowledge, right? The demons have belief. They, they believe. They've seen God, okay? What don't they have? Obedience. So James is saying, saving faith consists of knowledge, Belief and obedience. He's saying we need to live it out in our lives. You know, it was amazing. This doesn't happen today. But when when large crowds began to gather and follow Jesus, he would turn around and start to teach and weed out the and weed it out. He really would. He cut the he would cut the crowd down to size. 
Nowadays, you know, if you, you want followers, right? You want to get followers on Facebook. You want to get followers on Twitter. There's books written how you can get more followers and how you can get more followers in your blog and how do you get more followers in your church? How do you get more followers? It's all about getting more. When Jesus walked the earth, He'd be walking, he'd be healing people, he'd be feeding people, the feeding of the 5,000, he was feeding people all the time. And so he'd get large crowds to follow him because who wouldn't want to follow a guy who's feeding you, number one, and then number two, he's doing all kinds of cool miracles. Every time you turn around, he's like healing someone who's blind. This person blind your whole life, now they can see, hey, you want to see this? Of course, who's not going to follow? So we get this massive, just picture a massive crowd following him. And then every, every once in a while, he would turn around and he would weed out the crowd. He would start to teach. You read John chapter 6, starting at verse 60. Okay, write that down. John six sixty. Read that whole thing sometime today. And Jesus would turn. He would start to teach. He would start to tell, he would start to talk about the gospel. He would start to talk about what it means to be a follower of his And then people would say in John chapter 6 and verse 60 and following, they basically, after he's done teaching, say, hey, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it says they stopped following him. And this is James is pointing at and saying, hey, listen, just because you say something doesn't make it true. James is saying just because you say you're a Christian doesn't make it true. James, James insists that real faith, okay, is followed through with actions he said that faith is not, he said it's, he says it's not authentic if you are not trying to live it out in your life day to day. If you're not attempting, there needs to be the attempt. Are we all going to walk out of here and never lose our temper again? Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. What James is saying is that when we leave here today, what we should be thinking is, God, how can you help me control my temper more effectively? How can I do this, Lord God, through your power, through your strength? Help me to do this. And then here's a prayer that you want to pray. Okay, what you don't want to pray is, Lord, don't put don't make anyone do anything that would make me get angry. Okay, don't it's like saying, Lord, you know, teach me patience. But, you know, if you want to, here's what's going to here's what you want to pray. Here's what you want to pray. You want to pray when you leave here. God, give me multiple opportunities this week filled with really annoying people. Okay, who really get me going. Okay, line them up one after another and then help me not to explode. Help me not to get angry the way I normally do. That's what you want to pray. You want to pray for opportunities because they will come. Okay, whether it's the enemy sending them or or God putting them in a place where you have an opportunity. Okay, not to react. So pray for opportunities. If you need patience, pray for opportunities there. If you if you're if you have an anger problem, pray that God would give you opportunities to learn how to control it. And then once you do control it, anticipate it, it's going to come. Once you control it, then celebrate it and say, wow, I really handled that well. I've never done that before. So Christians, he says, needs to, they need to live out their faith. James says that we, we are to be quick to listen. Listen, quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. Why? Because uncontrolled anger can sometimes leave permanent scars. We all know that. And there are, you know, every, I think all of us can look back in our lives and say, man, I, I wish I didn't say, I wish I'd never said that to that person. 
You know, they, people get me going and I just, my mouth just runs away with me and I say things. And sometimes you say it on purpose. You think about, you think, oh, this is really going to, well, that person ticked me off. So if I say this, it's really going to stay. And now you sit back sometimes and go, boy, I wish I would have never said that because the person keeps bringing that up. Maybe in jest or joking, but they bring it up. They keep bringing it up. It means it bothers them. It means it's left a permanent scar in their lives. See, here's here's what James is teaching us. He's teaching us even when someone wrongs us, does something that's really annoying, okay, causes us harm. It doesn't give us the right to react in such a way that harms them in return. We need to be we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I remember the story. There's a story of this cat who lived on the riverbank and the cat was looking over across the river and across the river. There was a whole uh, whole bunch of pigeons. They were in a cage and they were well fed. These were fat and tame and relaxed pigeons sitting in a cage just for the taking. But he couldn't get across the river. And one day a farmer came and he put a horse in the same field. And the, and the horse and the cat started talking. The horse said, you know, I'm looking over there. I see some beautifully ripened corn. I mean, sweet corn. I love it. I'm going to swim across and, 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 and graze on that beautiful corn over there. And the cat's like, man, this is that's a fantastic idea. I mean, can I go with you? And the horse said, yeah, if you want, jump on. And he jumps on his back, hangs on to his mane. They swim across the river. When they get on the other side... The horse kind of meanders up there. He starts doing his horse thing and nibbling on the corn little by little. Takes him a while. You know, he just doesn't eat that fat. The cat, on the other hand, leaps into the cage and starts killing as many fat pigeons as he could possibly get his paws on. He eats all the fat pigeons and he eats tons of them really quick. And after he's done eating, he's like, he's like doing this real loud meowing sound like a howl. You ever heard a cat when they're angry at each other, whatever? This cat was just doing this, just, just screech of a, of a meow. And he was flipping around and flipping around, knocking things over. And the horse is like, shh, calm down. The villagers are going to hear us. Why are you doing that? And the cat's like, well, it's, it's my nature. It's my nature to, and, and, and it's, in, it's my habit and it's my nature to do that. So the horse is like, well, stop. Horse goes back to eating and the cat just starts meowing again and carrying on and flipping around. He's all excited because he's filled with these pigeons. And the horse is like, what is wrong with you? The horse is ticked. He's angry. He's frustrated. He said, you know, and the cat's like, hey, it's my nature. When I when I'm finished eating, I get my full. I just like it's my it's my it's my nature. It's just, you know, it's just my habit. Horse is like, man, you're going to you're going to call. And here they come. Here come the villagers down with sticks and stones. They heard the cat going crazy in there. And so they come and they with their sticks and stones and they start beating the horse and they start throwing rocks at the cat and hitting the horse with rocks. And the horse is running for his life and he has to jump into the water. And The cat jumps on his back and hangs onto his mane. He's going across and the horse is really he's furious. He's like, this is what I told you. I got I didn't even get to eat. You got to eat all these. I got nothing. I don't eat that fast. And the, the cat's just laying its back going, hey, it's my habit. It's my nature. You know, I get when I'm full, when I'm done, I just like to do my thing and get across the river. And without any warning whatsoever, the horse just starts to roll on his back. OK, the cat doesn't, isn't ready for it. So the horse is rolling back and forth and the cat's underneath him. And the cat's like, can't breathe. And he's screaming. He's I'm dying. I'm, you're killing me. You're killing me. What are you doing? 
And the horse just says to the cat, he's ticked, he says to the cat, well, hey, it's just my nature. It's just my habit to roll around the grass after I go swimming. So that's exactly what I'm doing. And he crushes the cat and the cat's dead. Now, for some of you, it's a really sad story because you like cats. For others, it's like, yay, the cat gets you. Yeah, oh, oh. You know what I mean? Speed bump, you know, when you go, no, it's okay. My point is, the point of the story is just because someone harms you or does something to you that annoys you or aggravates you doesn't mean you have the right to cause even more harm to them. And that's what we do sometimes. We, we, we say this because you can think, man, that cat, I'm telling a story and some of you are like, that cat is annoying. I, don't, I hope he drowns in the water or something, right? Got to get the cat back. But what James is saying, wait, time out, time out. Even some, if someone does something like that to you, you need to be able to control your emotions. You need to be able to control that. You can't just laugh. And we do that. Don't we do that sometimes? Someone does something. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is where it becomes really difficult. You think you're justified in getting back at them. You think because they said something cruel to you that you're fine saying something cruel back to an eye for an eye, right? Someone harms you, you can harm them. You can get back at them. You can do something to them. And so here's the thing. We need to get to the point in our lives where the word of God permeates and the word of God controls us to the point where when someone harms you, your first reaction is not to harm them back. Be slow, okay? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We also have to realize that there is righteous and unrighteous anger. There is, right, there is righteous and unrighteous anger. And James realizes this. He understands that God has given us our emotions, which means that all of our anger is not wrong and evil. Just because you get angry. Sometimes people think that all anger is wrong. All anger is not wrong. It is given to us by God. The point is, how do we handle our anger? What do we do when, when, when we get anger, angry? What do we do with that anger? See, what James is saying is we need to process that anger slowly. Process it slowly. We need to, how we express our anger is crucial. It is critical. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. So you can be, there are right reasons to be angry. But what he's saying, even, even, with, even when you have a right to be angry, handle it in the appropriate way. In your anger, do not sin. Take that emotion, okay? And, and, I'll sh- and we're going to talk about this in a second. Take it and use it in the appropriate way. James is saying, think and listen before you act. Think and listen before you speak. When you get angry, when you get angry, take a step back and talk about the situation with the person you're frustrated with. Maybe talk it, maybe talk it through with someone else first. Talk it through. Verbalize. And you know what? And don't worry about what you're saying. Just verbalize your frustration with somebody else besides the person you're angry with. Get, just let it come out. Let, talk it through. Express your emotions. But when you, when you then turn to the person and you're going to deal with that person, express your emotions as calmly as possible. So express those emotions as calmly as you can. And then listen carefully 
to what the other person has to say. See, this is where we lose it sometimes as human beings. We have a terrible time with perspective. Our perspective is, here's my bubble that I live in. You harmed me. That's all that matters. You don't, we can't see the other person's perspective. As a pastor, I, I no longer listen to one person's story and then react to it and go to another person. The person that this person say they harm me. I don't listen to one story. You know why I don't listen to one story? Because over the years I've heard one story and I've done that. And then I found out when I'm talking to the other person that, wait a second, that person left out a lot of information here. So you need to listen Quick to listen to all, the whole story before you, let, you listen to it, you process it through, and then you sit down in an appropriate way, your emotions in a calm and appropriate way, you express what you're feeling. But listen to the, try to understand the other person's perspective. That is so huge and we are so bad at it as human beings. So my question is to you this morning too is, how do you express your anger? Do you when you when someone when someone frustrates you, do you do you curse and just fly off the handle when someone cuts you off in the car? For example, perfect. This is a good example. When someone cuts you off in the car, what's your immediate reaction? Someone cuts you off. Is it do you just do you just go off on that person? I mean, all of a sudden, all kinds of fingers go all kinds of directions and you're can you're like, you boy, thank goodness no one has a speaker in your car. You're just furious at the whole thing. Are you are you are you then slow to listen quick? OK, to speak and quick to become angry. Is that kind of where you are? You're slow to listen. You're quick to speak and you're quick to become angry. I, a little side note. This is absolutely amazing phenomenon in a car. Human nature is all over the place when you're alone in a car or in your car. When someone cuts you off, right, you can you can you can go into a rage unless they give you the wave. Right. Right. Think about this. Right. You're driving down the road. You can nearly kill someone. All right. As long as you give the wave, it's all right. Or they can kill you. But as long as you see a hand goes up, oh, you know, I remember driving down the road. I wasn't I, I had a blind spot in the car and I was in a suburban and I moved over and there were about a 19 to 19, 20 year olds in the car. And they had to go into the gravel on the side of the road, not to, for me to kill them. All right. I could see in the rearview mirror. These these two guys were furious, man. They came flying up next to me. But you know what I did? I gave them the wave. I was like, Sorry. and they were like. Because I gave him the wave. If I just said, hey, you know, it's your problem. They would have like, probably swerved into my lane and tried to kill me back or whatever the case may be. But you got, for your own safety, if you do something dumb, raise your hand, okay? Give them the wave. It is amazing how people transform when they get the wave. Because it's a gesture of, hey, I'm sorry I did this. When, how do you react when people, when people frustrate you? How do you react when some, someone does something to you that causes you to be angry? I was, I was, uh, I remember a story, Abraham, about Abraham Lincoln. And his, it was his secretary of war, Edward Stanton was very frustrated. So he came to Lincoln and he said, hey, I'm frustrated because one of my officers is accusing me of showing favoritism. And Stanton was really frustrated. So Lincoln said to Stanton, you know, why don't you just, why don't you sit down and write him a strong letter? 
Stan goes, that's a great idea. Gets his pen out. He's writing this letter. He's just, you know, he's frustrated. He's getting it all out. He brings it back to Lincoln and, and reads it to him. And Lincoln says, okay, that's great. What are you going to do with that letter? And Stanton's like, what are you talking about? What am I going to do with the letter? I'm going to send it. I'm going to send this letter. And Lincoln says to him, no, don't send the letter. What you need to do is put that letter in the stove. Put it in the stove. You need to burn it. He said, it's a very well-written letter. You got to express what you were feeling and you feel better about it, don't you? He said, yeah, I feel a lot better. He goes, burn that one. He says, when I when I write a letter, when I'm angry, I burn it. And then I write another letter. I get it all out and I write another. And we say, well, that's good. That's good advice, right? It is good advice. But sometimes in our culture, we don't take it. We don't take that advice. And it's even worse now. You know why? Because I can get on my computer and slap something out by email and boom, push send. I'm ticked off. I'm going to sit down. You're not writing a letter anymore and sending it in the mail where you can go back and get it or think and read about it, read it a couple of times. Now it's like ding, 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 boom, send, right? Worse, I can text when I'm standing right there. Can't believe that person said that. And text and emails are worse. And text is the worst because even if someone's, something, someone's writing something to you that's nice, right? Sometimes you take it the wrong way. You've got to put all kinds of little emojis on there. You have to put a smile. I put a smile face in everything I write just in case you take it the wrong way. I got little thumbs up. I got thumbs up, right? Little winks on there. Wink, wink. It's all. I'm just joking. Laugh out loud, right? Because you don't want to make sure people know what you're saying. We do that. We get ticked off. Do not send off emails and texts that way. Don't do it. I, I don't, and you can disagree, and I am going to hold this position to the day I die. If you have something difficult to say, say it to the person. Think it through and go and say it to them. If you have something really sweet and nice to say, write it to them. But when you have something difficult to say, don't write that to them right away. Don't write it. Go and talk to them so they can see your facial expressions and they can and you can you can hear. Oh, oh, wait, I didn't mean that when I was saying it, I wasn't even talking. I was talking about such and such. And so I'm really sorry that you took it. Oh, man. I'm. But if you fire off a letter that a person has, if you have some of those letters, burn them. Don't hold on to them. A love that keeps no record of wrongs. Get rid of it. Don't go back and just read the thing over and over and over and over again. James says believers need to control their emotions. Another key, okay, another key. It's not only important that we need to be angry in the right way. We need to be angry about the right things. This is so important. As I was studying and I was going through this, I was looking at the life of Jesus and I'm saying, okay, what are some things that Jesus got excited about? What did he get angry about? Jesus never got angry when things were done to him. He's in, he's on trial, right? You don't see him freaking out on pilot and carrying on. And the, he, he doesn't get angry when things are done to him. When they crucified him, they put him through that whole thing. He's all he's and he's going through the crucifixion. He's not he's, he's not raring angry about all. Even he takes this person out and wipes these guys out. No, you don't see that. They arrested him. No anger. Trial. No anger. Crucifixion. No anger. But there were some things that Jesus did get angry about. And this is where we need to follow his example. And again, I know this is an incredibly difficult to do. I understand that. But we have to set a standard for, for us to try to follow, a high standard. And our high standard is Jesus Christ. So what we need to do, James is saying, is to express 
it appropriately. So what did Jesus get angry about? Let's try to follow his example. Jesus became angry when people were indifferent to other people's suffering. He became angry when, uh, when, when pe- uh, us, when people were indifferent, when we were indifferent to other people's suffering. In, jo- in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it's a really good example. It says this, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Listen to, listen to the story. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Using this guy is like a pawn. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, trying to get, he's talking to their hearts, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, to save a life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. He was ticked. You know why he was ticked? Here's a guy who's suffering and they were indifferent to his suffering. Jesus also got angry when it came to the defense of God's holiness. We see this in Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 17, where Jesus kind of, you know, chases all the money changers out of the temple. Jesus was, it is okay for us to be angry when it comes to, to the indifference to the suffering of the people around the world. It's okay for us to become angry when we are defending God's character, God's holiness. That's, that's when we should become... Jesus became angry when it was outside of himself, when he saw things happening that were wrong outside of himself. When things were done to him, he didn't become angry. It, this is so hard for human nature because 99.9% of the time we become angry when things are done to us and we lash back out at other people. Jesus is saying, wait a second, follow my example... I became angry when people showed indifference to the suffering of others and when it came to the defense of the holiness of God. That's what ticked them off. We should be angry and righteously angry at what we see in our culture today. That's what we should be righteous, not lashing out at people, but it should be, it should anger us when we see the holiness of God, the purity of God, the righteousness of God just being kind of thrown around like it's nothing. When we see the suffering of other people around the world, that should make us angry and that should drive us to action. See, this is something that we all need to address on a certain level. I mean, every single one of us, because usually what happens is that we, like I said, we get angry. We get angry when my, when my Jeff Greer's wants or desires are not met. But that most of the time is selfish and self-centered and springs from pride. And so I want you to bow your heads with me as we close. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to listen to the words I'm saying here. Every single one of us on some level need to deal with this issue. And as we end this sermon and we go into our time of communion, I don't want it to end. I want this to I want this to flow right into communion. Let's focus on our own hearts. Don't worry about the person next to you. Oh, they're so much more angry. They can't control themselves. Thank God Pastor Jeff talked about this this morning. This person needs to hear that. No, I'm not talking to that person. I'm talking to you. God is talking to you through his word. 
So let's focus on our own hearts. Get, get your mind out of where, thinking about someone else. Think about yourself. And let, let God begin to transform this area of your life. You may not express your anger the same way as the person around you or the people that you know, but maybe you have anger issues. You just keep it inside. You're, you give them the silent treatment. You, there's ways of expressing anger that don't come out and flailing and carrying on. So as you take communion, ask God to forgive you for allowing your anger to dictate your actions. That's the first thing you need to do. Ask God to forgive you for allowing your anger sometimes to dictate your actions. And here's the more difficult thing I'd like you to do this morning. I know this is hard. But so is overcoming anger. So here's the first step. You may want to go to someone this morning who is in this room. Or maybe it's today at some point because they're not here or maybe just feel terribly uncomfortable to do it in this setting. But I still challenge you to do it. But go to them today. Someone maybe you've harmed. Someone that you've said something to or you feel that, you you know, you harmed them in some way in your anger. And ask that person to forgive you. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that to you. I was angry and I, 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 I just ask them to forgive you. Say, please forgive me for allowing my anger to harm you. It's something I'm working on and I'm going to continue to work on it. So as we take communion, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. I'm going to read it. Then I'm going to pray. And after I pray... You can get up from your seat. You can go back, take the bread and the cup. You can come sit back down in your seat. You can come up here and kneel. You can actually walk around, find someone. And ask them to forgive you. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Let's just let God lead us here. First Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, we, we come before you with humble hearts, recognizing our own sin. And your word tells us before we take communion that we should confess our sin and this morning Lord we want to focus on the sin of anger and how we misuse it sometimes in our lives so God as we take communion we, we, we focus our attention and our hearts on, on the sacrifice that you made on the cross God we thank you for the sacrifice that, that you made in giving your son Jesus Christ and and his body, which was given for us, sacrificed for us. And we pray, dear God, this morning that we would offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, which is, that's difficult. That we want to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, which means we want to live our lives in such a way that we honor you. May this be our spiritual act of worship this morning. May we lay our anger at the foot of the cross and ask that you would help us to overcome it. One step at a time, Lord, 
baby steps that we'll take. We'll take baby steps. Just help us to the, to the foundation of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his blood, which was shed for us to cover over a multitude of sins, to cover over our lives, Lord God, because of the blood that was shed on the cross for us. This cup that we are going to take represents that, that blood that was shed for us. And now that it was shed, Lord God, because it was shed, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can enter into your presence. We can have a, a conversation with you like I'm having this morning. This is miraculous that I'm able to talk to a living God because of what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross. And we thank you for that. So, Father, we ask that you would truly move in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would not let us rest before we confess our sin before you and the way we live in our lives in this area of anger. But also, Lord God, we, we pray for your strength. We pray for your mercy. We pray for your power as we try to live like your son, Jesus Christ, day by day. And the decisions and the choices that we make when people offend us, we pray that you would give us the strength day by day to slowly become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You need to wait for no one else. You can go take the the cup and the bread now. Come pray, sit as the Spirit leads you. Courage. There are some people in the room, Lord God, who need to go and talk to someone, maybe their child, where they lost their temper and never apologized for that. Lord, give us the courage as moms and dads to apologize to our children when we express our anger in a way that's not appropriate help us to go back and right that wrong and teach them a lesson in what it means to be humble and what it means to ask forgiveness and to receive forgiveness maybe it's a husband or a wife maybe it's a friend it doesn't matter lord god but i pray that you wouldn't let us rest our hearts rest until we make that right there's power in forgiveness There's healing power in the love of forgiveness. And we pray to your God that you would give us the courage, that you give us the strength, that you give us what we need from your spirit to live in such a way that would honor you, to live up to the name Christian and what that really means. And it starts this morning, Lord, for many of us by standing up and taking responsibility for our lives and starting fresh. I know you love us so much and you want us so much to be like your son. So thank you for the broken hearts here this morning. Thank you for the new beginning for so many people here this morning. And we ask that we would draw from your strength the resurrection power of your son, Jesus Christ, who not only set the example, but gives us the power to follow it. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Have a great, great week.